0: As a kid, there was a place—a dark place. They closed it down and let it rot. But the things that lived there—they
1: come back.
0: Not many ride the bus this far north. You're running away from something?
1: (gasps) I'm running away from myself, I guess.
0: Hi. You can hear me. You're magic.
1: Like me. I don't know about magic. I always called it the Shining.
0: And we're back in for another episode of the Film Frequency, a mini review this time. And we are this week, we are reviewing Dr. Sleep, a sequel to one of the greatest horror films of all time, and that is The Shining. This one had a delicate balance uh, to be a sequel to the book and to the movie, which uh, differed very, uh, a lot in like the end specifically. And I'm sure we'll talk about that one. But I'm your host, CEO Hayes, and I'm in the building with my brother, JB. What's going on, JB?
1: What's going on, CEO Hayes? What is going on, film family? And yes, as CEO Hayes said, we are going into uh, Dr. Sleep. Actually, we ran a poll over the last week, and Dr. Sleep on all counts, Twitter, different Facebook groups all over the place, crushed everything else. We had uh, Ford versus Ferrari on there, Mother Brooklyn, and it just crushed it. So you guys wanted to hear it, and we're delivering it for you. Absolutely.
0: So uh, with these mini reviews, these uh, we're not going to like do the run down the plot uh, full service. We're just going to really talk about our reactions from the from the movie itself. And, you know, going back to the Overlook Hotel always, always interests me because like there was even the Shining was like one movie, but it set such a tone um, that you always wondered, like, what happened after after the film ended. Um, So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that we went back here had some issues with it. So this one is built around uh, Danny Torrance, now going by Dan Torrance, as an adult, uh, dealing with alcohol addiction very much early on in the movie. And then he meets this young girl called Abra, who also has The Shining, uh, and they end up coming up against these uh, group called The True Knot, which, for all intents and purposes, I'm... I'm good. So throughout this review, you probably hear me refer to them as vampires because that's really kind of what they are. They feed off Shine. Uh, but what did you, like, overall, like, the, the, the opening scene I guess we should start there it opens up with him with young Danny Torrance riding his, his tricycle through the Overlook Hotel and immediately it was like alright I'm ready for this what did you think?
1: I agree 100% we saw Danny Torrance riding his little tricycle in the Overlook Hotel and immediately put me back into 1980 The Shining so um, I have a lot of freaking issues with this movie which we'll get into but the opening sequence and I enjoyed it and you know we did it uh, the other day and we were talking about how at the beginning of the movie they didn't give us a lot of substance they kind of rushed it I felt like they gave us a good amount of Dan- Danny Torrance as a kid before he became an adult what we missed from After the Shining and what he did in between that time it wasn't a long but it was it was good enough for us to at least see what, what happened and him continue, seeing him continue to have the shine and so like this movie differs
0: from the book very quickly because after the Overlook Uh, We're seeing uh, Danny Torrance sitting down, and he's talking to Dick Holleran. And that's where it kind of differs from because in the book, Dick Holleran did not die. So he was actually alive and able to guide and teach Dan Torrance how to use the shine and all the the things that he still kind of teaches him here, but he was physically there to teach him. So that automatically was one of the differences from the movie to the book. What did you think about, like, the recast of, you know, Danny Torrance? We didn't get much, like, very much of him. He was a kid. Kid actors are kind of all... The same. Uh, don't judge me for that. But his mother and Dick Holleran very early on, and I think they recast these roles perfectly.
1: Here's my issue. Okay. Here's my here's my issue number one. We're talking about the character of Jack Torrance, which is Jack Nicholson. Shelly, wait, wait,
0: we're not getting there yet. Not Jack, Jack you, Torrance. You're talking specifically
1: of Dick Hollerin,
0: just Dick Hollerin and his mother and uh Wendy Torrance, like because right. Jack Torrance is a whole nother thing that I have an issue with too. But just uh, just those two characters first, they're being recast.
1: Dick Holleran, I'm okay with the cast. Um, uh, as a matter of fact, I don't think I'm nuts, but. For a second, I thought it was the original guy. I'm like, there's no way this guy's, uh, he has an age <laughs> th- in freaking 30 something years. So, but the cast was good. Wendy Torrance, uh, that's the issue I had. The the lady sounded just like Shelley Duvall, mm-hmm. but in this day and age, why the hell didn't they? I, I felt as such important characters, they should have CGI'd some of these people. Yeah, I mean, every movie is using CGI, all, all, it's being so overused. Here's a perfect example of some iconic characters. Why not use CGI? Why give like it, I felt like Mike Flanagan, who's the director of this movie, was I, I don't know what he was thinking ca- recasting this. I mean, The Shining is an iconic movie; it's a classic. Why would you do this with these characters? I don't understand. Um, I think I I actually
0: preferred it. Um, that they didn't uh, use CGI because I think like we talked about the CGI kind of takes you away from it. So when you recast these, you 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 you're losing that. Um that uncanny uncanny valley is what they call it um to just CGI someone's face over it and because they did cast people who very much embodied these roles um it was perfect. I I preferred them these two roles specifically I preferred them recasting them because they looked a lot like it like the lady who played Wendy got that that run yes. the voice down everything the guy who played Dick Halloran had the facial mannerisms down mm-hmm. like to the way that his his mouth and lips move so no I I preferred it this way
1: yeah, I guess, I guess I can, uh, Dick, again, Dick Harlan, yes, Danny Torrance, yes, and to a certain extent, Wendy Torrance, I think where my gripe is, is really with Jack Nicholson's character, to be quite honest with you, um, and we'll get into that, but Wendy Torrance, I gotta give the the, the lady who, who, I don't even know what her name is, I apologize, but the person who played uh, Wendy Torrance, she did a great job, I mean, she it's literally, she sounded identical to Shelly Duval down to the facial mannerisms and everything she did even the way she ran and the way she did her her hand gestures
0: yeah. she, you
1: could tell she studied Shelly Duval
0: yeah yeah, I, yeah, she, she, it, it, they did. They, they studied these characters very well. So that part, I didn't have an issue with. Um, we'll get into Jack because it's happened towards the end of the movie. So I, I want to wait on the Jack Torrance thing because I have big issues with that. So, like, what, what, do you think about the way that the the movie set the tone and showing like Dan Torrance uh, throughout these years? He learned to, uh, the ghosts from the Overlook Hotel were still following him. He learned to put them in these these boxes, so to say, that he built in in his mind. And so, like, when we see the row of boxes and there's, like, 18 of them, it was like, oh, okay, so this this is what he's been up to. But he was drinking. Uh, he, he went into drinking to try to stop from hearing the voices that he was hearing with his shine. It dulled it down. But he kind of became a piece of shit in this. And it all culminated in him hooking, hooking up with a woman. And she OD'd. And he left the baby there, and then the baby died. So, like, and that was kind of the breaking point for him. What did you think about that part? And, like, Dan Torrance is, like, us catching up on his life, I guess, so to say.
1: Yeah, so, in a way, he kind of following in his dad's footsteps. Like you yeah. said, he's an alcoholic, and he, I mean, for lack of a better term, he's kind of a piece of his shit in this movie. So, you know, we got to see a lot of different depth to him, a lot of different roles. One thing I enjoyed about this movie, though, that was different than The Shining, because I don't think it, it, was an, it was an underlying element Versus this movie where it was so in your face, but it's the actual Shining in the original movie We didn't get too much info on it. It was bits and pieces here We got it a hundred percent in-depth a to Z what the Shining is about and how everything works So I'm glad we got that aspect of it Um, And I just want to really touch real quick on on the director if you don't mind again, Mike Flanagan Mike Flanagan has done some good work. He, I mean, he did um, Hush, which I really enjoyed. I know you saw um, uh, Haunting of Hill House, and, I, and you, you always told me how good that was. So what do you think about Mike Flanagan as the director here?
0: He's great. I love everything mm-hmm. he did. So like me, um, I loved uh, uh, House on Haunting Hill or the, the Haunting of Hill House. There's right. been so many different versions of that story yeah. told. Um, I, I love that series. That was one of the best horror series that I have ever seen. Um, and so, after seeing this, actually, I think just today or yesterday, I went and watched uh, Uji. Uja how do you pronounce? Oh, Uji, Ouija. Uji. Ouija, uh, like, and because uh, I never, because the first one sucked, and I never went to see the sequel. That he did the sequel, it was so much better. I loved Oculus. Hush yes. is great. Yes. I loved everything that he's done. Gerald's game on Netflix. Wow, oh. it wasn't great, but like for the tone, like he's great at tone. He's amazing at tone.
1: I agree. Also, I mean. Think about for one second what this guy is facing. You have two icons because not only is this a Stanley Kubrick sequel, but it happens to be a freaking adaptation of Stephen King. Let's not forget the fact that Stephen King absolutely hated the movie, the Stanley Kubrick's version. So you have Flanagan, who's in a really weird predicament where he's trying to please both sides. You got your Kubrick fans, you got your Stephen King fans, and you got your, your... just shining franchise fans so he i mean with all everything that he was faced up i think i think he did a decent job um again we'll get in more into the movie and stuff like that but how do you feel about the whole kubrick and stephen king thing trying to please both sides
0: so that that's that's one of the weirdest stories ever so stephen king hated the the shining because it changed and it fundamentally did change a lot specifically with jack torrance's character in the book, The Shining, Jack Torrance starts off as a good guy, and you kind of see him descent and then come back up. There was a redeeming part for Jack Torrance in The in the Shining, the, Shining, the novel. In the book, they just make him a piece of shit from, from start to finish, um, and it kind of affects what has to happen in this movie as well. Um, so like I can understand Stephen King hated it so much that he had to come up with a deal with Kubrick to do – a TV show, Stephen King's The Shining, a miniseries based off of it, because he hated it that much. Like it it it's it, it's it's so crazy how much he hated that movie. Like those two people, like you would think so great minds. And I think yeah, great minds think alike, but you would like this all started, I think, with with when they did The Shining, part of the deal was that Stephen King got to write the first screenplay for it, right? Uh, Kubrick came out and said that immediately after Stephen King th- turned it in they threw it out got a different writer they already had it they never planned to use this screenplay they always planned to use their own writer so they kind of they they used the deal against them. i think that that from that point on it was always going to be downhill from there and and actually the shining is is what had has made Stephen King more have more of a cr- of a role in his his adaptations from that point on he hated it that much so that's it's just it's it's crazy um just how, Everything that happened there, like if you read stories on it, Stephen King shitted on the on The Shining so much. Yeah. And it's one of it's uh it's a classic in the horror genre. Uh, the only reason why he stopped, so these last 20 years that he hasn't been shitting on it, is because when he, he signed uh, a, a deal, when he got the rights to do the TV show, part of that deal was he couldn't badmouth The Shining anymore.
1: Are you serious? That was part yeah. of the contract? that was oh, part man, of the contract. So man, that... man that... talk about hurt feelings, boy. <laughs> you that shit on paper. That's, that's some crazy shit. But, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think The Shining, actually, the original Shining, did well at the box office. I no, think it, 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 be- it became like a cult classic and it, it, you know, it, it did end up being a classic, but bof- box office numbers, it just bombed. Yeah.
0: It, it didn't, it really didn't find its niche until like two or three years after being out on, on, on not DVD VHS at that point. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy how like some of these things that we see now as classics didn't start off that way. Um, but yeah, it definitely wasn't it didn't kill it at the box office by any means. It was it was a, a cult following for the longest. And now it's gone on to be one of the most revered films in in horror history.
1: Exactly. And I just kind of want to bring it back to Dr. Sleep real quick and just get your opinion, at least for me. I don't I don't really consider this a horror movie. No. I don't know if I consider it. Thriller or a, a hybrid of both. What is this movie considered in your opinion? Well in after I
0: saw, before we decided that we were going to be reviewing it, when I saw it and I put it in the Facebook group, what did I call it? I said it's more like an action thriller. Right. That's right, that's right. that's the way I described it because that's what it is. It's not it it's not a horror movie, I think, at any point in this. I wasn't scared. Like, yeah, the the, the it was creepy at certain points, but it, it was never a horror movie in my opinion. Um but yeah, I mean, it, it's one of these these films that it's hard to really put in a single category. It's 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 just a movie, um, and now I don't mean that in a negative sense. It's just too hard to try to put it in just one in one one
1: box. No, I think you said it perfectly. Action thriller. I didn't even think about yeah. that because I, w- I just wasn't seeing the horror in this. Like you said, there was some creepy parts. There was no nothing scary, not even jump scares, at least in my opinion. So I couldn't see the horror. But yeah, action thriller. I think that's that's definitely what it should go under. Yeah.
0: So we talked about Dan. We talked about some of the, the characters from the past. We have to talk about Rose the Hat, played by Rebecca Ferguson. Mm-mm-mm. And we start off with seeing her, uh, this young girl named Violet, and just her and the way that she, like, do you want to see in my hat? Like She was very charming in a sense. And then when they all came and surrounded the girl, you're like, oh, shit. Um, I think that f- one of the she was one of the better vi- villains in – this type of movie that we've seen, like, and I like that they gave enough, a lot of story to her to where we got to know her. We saw her uh, recruiting Snake Bite, Be- Snake Bite Andy, and everything. Um, I, 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 I loved her, uh, her character. I even loved it more when we got to start seeing her versus Abra. We'll talk about that. But what did you think about Rose the Hat?
1: So it's funny, like me and you agree on so much shit. Um, it's crazy. And what you said about her being a villainous character. I can't remember the last time we've seen a movie where there's so much emphasis and so much story behind the villain in a movie. Usually, you see the villain doing all this bad shit, but you kind of never see the backstory and and a lot of build on the character. And with this movie, we got a lot of build. I absolutely love what they did with Rebecca Ferguson's character. And also, just her acting was great. I mean, there was a lot of standouts to this movie, and Rebecca Ferguson definitely was one of them. But uh, I appreciated the story and the depthness they gave us with the character yeah yeah and, and you know the some of the members of the true Knot we didn't get as much
0: of um you know uh crow daddy we got he was probably one we got second the most of then snake back snake bite andy um Rep and then the flick. the tall guy yeah the tall guy too like and i like what they how they told uh the story of them and like what they do and how they feed off shine, uh, how to, to keep them alive. We got a scene in this movie and this was probably one of the only movies, the scenes that could be categorized as horror, but it was, I don't even know. It's still more creepy. So they see this kid playing baseball. Uh, they go around, they try to find these kids and we get to see them kidnap this kid, bring him to this field, hold him down. And the kid says, are you going to hurt me? And she says, yes, really bad and we see them torture this kid and feed off of him very and they don't cut away from it like they don't try to rush past it they sit there and they let this scene sink on you and i think that they did that so we can really know how bad these people are and what was going to happen to aber if they find her what did you think about that scene
1: before i say that i want to preface this by saying i am neither a sociopath or a, psych- <laughs> or a psychopath but i absolutely enjoyed this scene and We did a review a while ago and I want to say it might have been uh, Halloween 4 or something like that. And one thing I remember us talking about was the use of children. And it's so much more effect when you have children getting murdered or even someone going after children. And this scene, first of all, the, the character, Jason Tremblay, who played the little boy, He's a phenomenal actor as a young kid. He's great. He was yeah. in, I, I just off the top of my head, I know he was in Good Boys, and I'm sure, and he was in some other stuff too, but I remember him in Good Boys, and he was funny as shit in that movie, but he's a great actor, and him yelling and shrieking and begging for and pleading for his life was hair-raising and kind of bone-chilling, and like you said, if there was any horror, it would have been in this scene, but I love the fact that did they not cut away from it. Or did they didn't show stuff too much off camera? You saw mm. the character yelling, You saw the character dying, and the fact that it was a kid. I don't know how, in terms of reception, it got from, you know, critics and 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 the public for this particular um, uh, scene. But for me, I enjoyed it, uh, not because of, of again what happened, but the fact that they they had the balls to do this.
0: Yeah, yeah. The fact to see because there's some things in horror movies that you don't that we don't see very often. We don't see kids dying too often. Or dogs. If you do either one of those, you know you're in for a fucking ride. Like just to be honest. Um yeah, the fact that they just sat on this that long was just like mind blowing. Um and it, they, they they picked picked a great actor to do it because he is great. He was also in Wonder. Um he was a little kid, the the main character there. So he's a great oh, actor he was In a Room uh, as well. Oh yeah. So um it yeah it was it was it was it was they needed this scene um but let's let's talk about some of some of the other scenes in this so uh without us breaking down the whole plot like Abra she sets a trap for Rose the Hat at one point in this movie and she seems like such a powerful badass when like the, the whole way that like her looking in the window and then her the like the world flipping over and her dropping down was visually again mike flanagan with his visuals i don't know if any any director right now in in the genre does visuals quite like him like me seeing Ouija and like the what he did with the little girls there it like it, beautiful cinematography what did you think about that scene it really at that point, it started seeming more like a superhero movie than a sequel to The Shining. But I enjoyed those scenes. I honestly wish the the ending scene, the, the ending fight or battle, if we're going to call it that, had more of that. We'll talk about that when we get to it. What did you think about that?
1: So firstly, the cinematography is one of the standouts of this movie. Um, again, it's Mike Flanagan. I mean, we we've ran down his resume already. Cinematography was beautiful. And that's the one thing outside of the, like a lot of the cast, that's probably the number one thing in this movie. The cinematography was excellent. And you mentioned Kylie current current. I don't care what part of this movie you're talking about. I don't know where they found this kid from, but she was amazing. I absolutely enjoyed her. And she has a bright future header. I looked up her IMDb. I didn't see, she did one thing before this. I don't even know what the movie called, but I enjoyed her in this movie. I think she played the character of T and that final battle or whatever you want to call it was great. was great. I would, like you said, I wish we would have even gotten more of it. Um, and, and I don't want to go off topic, but something that's really starting to piss me off with a lot of these movies, and I kind of texted you before I went to watch it. I mean, this shit was two and a half hours long. I don't know what what these people are thinking when they're making movies now. I'm so used to movies being like an hour and a half, hour 45 minutes. The really good ones are like two hours. These motherfuckers are going to end up going to three hours eventually. It's getting crazy, oh, bro, though. You, you got it. Yeah, the thing is, is that... I, I honestly, in this movie,
0: I didn't feel it. So whereas in like it chapter two, I felt every one of those two hours and forty minutes. This one, I didn't. I honestly didn't feel like it. Was, I felt it, it in, was the, that long. in the. I felt it in the middle a lot. See, I didn't. My my issue with this is the last thirty minutes of this movie. I actually That's where enjoyed my the last thirty minutes. Started. See, and I, this is why we need to talk about it. The middle part of this movie, um, and I believe the middle part is like. We, that's where we get the scene that I do hate a lot, and that's the one uh, with the guns when Danny and uh, well Dan Torrance and his friend Billy lure the True Knot um, into into the forest after Abra, and they have this whole flat down gunfight, and it's like, all right, where in the Shining sequel do we need to get gunfights? Like my thing is, is that why why do these people have guns? Danny has the Shining, all of the True Knot has the Shining. Why are we packing heat? When did this become a Jason Bourne? Like honestly, and this is something, and it was it was still very well shot. Don't get me wrong, but this felt like a scene out
1: of Shooter. It was like the Shining, Doctor Sleep, New Jack City version. <laughs> yeah, like, but here's it was my weird, man. here's my issue with that scene. I don't mind the shooting. I mean, it's it was kind of random as hell. But true, not how did they not know that these guys are around because don't they have that inkling of people being around they have the shine too don't they so how come they don't know that there's people waiting in the wings with guns that was my my issue i feel like that was a plot hole
0: well no i think that what they've established in this movie is everybody's shine is different so not everyone has premonition and stuff like that like Andy has the ability she's a pusher she has the ability to push ideas and thoughts into people's head um we never really saw what crow daddy's version of the shine was uh but Abra, Dan, and Rose the Hat are kind of like they have everything, I guess, so to say. But I don't, I don't think that they are even like uh, Jake Tremblay's character, the, the the boy who got shot. He was able to predict stuff or read into people's mind and predict what they were going to do. Um, but everyone had everyone's shine is a little bit different. Is the way that I read it. So they may not have that ability.
1: But um, uh, the uh, Rebecca Ferguson's character had the combination, didn't she? Well, she was never if you really look at like the thing with with
0: at least this scene, I really feel like she because she wasn't able to really get into Aber's head, Crow Daddy was the one who really kind of took it on
1: this one. True, true, true. She true.
0: was recovering. So that's the, how I kind of read it. I understand and you may be right. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying that that was kind of my read on on why the scene ended up. But still, to the to my point, where why the hell do we have gunfights in this movie? Where we're we're seeing people be able to completely like like, Abra's able to get in people's head and cause physical harm to their body by making them think something happened in this astral plane.
1: So, why are we having gunfights? I guess that's their action portion.
0: <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I really did not like that gunfight scene, uh, just in the tone of the movie. Uh, where I do uh, that, so it does kind of die down a little bit after that. Uh, you ever uh, we seen, get
1: a, not to cut ahead. you off, you ever seen a picture of someone that absolutely knows nothing about photoshop and they photoshop a, a picture and you just see all the rough edges and it just looks like a bad photoshop job. That's what this gun scene was. It just looked like someone just edited this shit into the movie cuz it didn't fit the rest of the movie at all. It just like guns out of nowhere. It it didn't it felt like someone just edited this in and it wasn't supposed to be there and someone just put it in after the fact. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's that's true. It, it it's just it's weird. It feels like that they, they while they were writing this, they were like, All right, so how do we how do we get what do we do between ABRA getting captured and getting to the Overlook Hotel? And one of the writers on the writing team was like, Shoot, shoot shit up. Gunfight. That, yeah, <laughs> but uh, okay, let's not let's not hang on that too much, let's, let's let's keep it moving. Let's do it. Um, so one of the one of the, the immediately following that, though, is one of the better scenes and one of the better pieces of acting we get from the young lady who plays Abra, and that is she's in the car with Crow Daddy, oh, and Dan Torrance takes over her body, and her whole manner is this. This young lady, if there's nothing else in this movie, I, I you know, we don't know if we're going to give it an overall good rating or not, but this young lady deserves to be cast in more shit matter of fact because she she depicted like these powers and like a superhero part of this movie so good cast her in fucking x-men like whenever they get to redoing that like something needs to happen because this woman was amazing her name is kylie coran is her name and this was this was her first major role she's done some little stuff before then but as far as like major role this was it for her and that's
1: crazy that she did so good Absolutely. She absolutely, after this movie, made her name for herself. People will know what her name, they might not know what her name is before this movie. After this movie, they will absolutely know her name. And she's absolutely going to get roles. I mean, that scene that you're talking about is probably my favorite scene in the movie. Um, just because it's a it's a it's such a great piece of acting from her when, you know, Dan kind of takes over. And, you know, I was watching the movie with my wife and, and she says something. I forgot what she said, but she cursed. She said the F word. And I'm like, did she just say that? But it was just the acting, the acting. And not only in the scene, but throughout the whole movie, her mannerisms, yeah. her dialogue, her delivery, it, it was all on point. And for, for such a young person, so early in her career, it was, it was phenomenal. So I do want to point out another difference in this, in
0: uh, where this differs from the, this, this is kind of where it differs from the book. So in, in Doctor Sleep, the novel Abra is actually Dan's niece. So we find out that that Abra's mom... Well, is the half sister of dan so jack torrance had an affair and he had another daughter and so that is where we get the fact of the shining is actually packed passed down through jack torrance's bloodline. like he actually probably had a little bit of the shine himself they've completely removed that from this movie so like her calling him uncle dan is kind of a throwback to that because in in the novel they actually are related
1: okay yeah see i didn't even know that I, uh, like again just like it I know you knew a lot about the book. You read the book. I don't know crap about the book. So I didn't even know <laughs> that. So that's interesting.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I just wanted to point that out. Uh, but, you know, so th- after this, after that scene that, that we both enjoy, that is when we get the lead up to the Overlook. And keep in mind. So in this point in the movie, they're in some somewhere in the middle of Bumblefuck, yes. Ohio, and they decide he, of all places. He's like, all right, I know a place that we can go. And it and they go all the way back to the Overlook, which I believe is in Colorado, so that's a hell of a drive, uh, but my right. thing is, and, and this is where my problems start beginning, is because what we see in this movie completely takes away from the fact of going back to the Overlook, because we we saw like the the lady in room two thirty seven was able to pop up in Dan's ra- randomly in his in his bathroom at his house where they moved to, so he and he had them locked up in those boxes. He could have let them out anywhere. They could have lured Rose the Hat anywhere. They try to force going back to the Overlook Hotel. It didn't make any sense into what it was. I get it. That's where we need to go to. It's the shining. It's the sequel. We all want to see it Um, in the book itself. Like in the book, the shining the overlook actually burnt down at the end. So there was no more overlook hotel. They do end up going back to the grounds of the overlook hotel And that is another deviation because in the book The Shining, Jack Torrance is redeemed, and Dan wants to go back to the grounds of the Overlook Hotel because his dad, Jack Torrance's spirit, helps him defeat these these characters. There's none of that. There's none of that in this book because Jack Torrance was a fucking deplorable ass character in The Shining, the movie. So we get a whole deviation there, but we do go back to the Overlook. This is where we get him walking through the hotel and we get kind of the greatest sister of the Shining. What did you think about this part of the movie?
1: I enjoyed it. I, I know it, it kind of didn't make sense. them going back while the version you're talking about from the book, that would have actually been amazing. But again, they made Jack Nicholson's character, you know, a piece of shit. So why would he help his son when he's trying to kill his son? So, um, yeah, that wouldn't make any sense, but I enjoyed seeing all the Overlook stuff because it was kind of like a throwback, like a, a a callback and and the nostalgia behind it you got to see a lot of the same things a lot of the same scenes redone you know you got the twin girls you got the blood coming through the lobby area or whatever you know by the elevator whatever that was um a lot of different scenes here that i i enjoyed you know i enjoyed it again for the nostalgia reasons yeah yeah (laughs) And, and we
0: needed it like as much as it didn't make sense in the story wise I loved it. Uh, they Like, the fact that they completely rebuilt—because the, the Overlook Hotel wasn't an actual hotel. They they built sets. That was a whole yes. set. So they rebuilt that, and it all looked great. Um, So we got to see a lot of, like, the old characters come back. But before then, this is my biggest fucking problem in this movie. So Dan Torrance is walking through here. He gets to the bar. For a while, we just see him talking to someone. And it's Jack Torrance, played by Henry Thomas, who was actually the boy from, from E.T. This is the what? point where I feel like they should
1: have... You serious? Yeah. yeah, Henry Thomas is the boy from E.T. I know E.T. who Henry Thomas. I didn't know that was Henry Thomas. I know yeah. he, he was Elliot from E.T. I didn't know that was Henry Thomas, though. Oh, yeah. That's,
0: that's, that's Henry Thomas playing Jack Torrance. Um, this is the point where I feel like they should... Because... That role is so like his I don't know so iconic and the makeup that they put him in was fucking terrible. They might as well have CG uh uh Jack Nicholson's face over. I don't know if there were some right issues if they even reached out to the family and saw I don't know but this like, the conversation they have is great. Like, I love the conversation they had, uh, and, and everything. And Danny's trying to force like closure, and his dad's now going by Lloyd, which I don't understand why they didn't just have him be Jack. But just the look of it. And then, you know, we get another brief flashback where we see Henry Thomas doing the scene with the axe and walking through. The makeup looked terrible. Like, this was just bad. It was wide in the world. Did they not just? In the, in the way the CGI is being able to be used now, there's no reason for... If the makeup was that bad, CGI over the motherfucker's face. What did you think?
1: Exactly. And, I, you know, I kind of I kind of said this... Uh, I don't remember if I said this earlier on this episode or a couple days ago when we did our news uh, episode. No, no, I believe it was this episode. Sorry, my mind went blank for a second. But, yeah, why the hell didn't they CGI this thing? Um, I have no idea what... If there couldn't have been a more better time to use CGI in the history of film it would be at this point they should have used it um i don't know why they didn't do it but I, all i can say is yeah absolutely they should have they should have done it and i i still don't know why again they or or why not i mean i i don't know i, I was just flabbergasted and it kind of pissed me off because the conversation the dialogue was really good but it, mm-hmm. it took this by the way he, he looked it took it away from me yeah
0: like it just in the what vo- he was trying to do his like henry thomas tried to do the voice and the mannerisms. Yeah. And the mannerisms like he tried. And I don't know if they, if they didn't have all this makeup on him, he probably could have done an even better job with just using his face. Like if you're just going to go full, like recast and just recast the role, like this makeup was terrible. It completely took me out of it, bro. And I hate to harp on it for so long, but it's like such an important scene to see these two characters, and and because the the conversation was great because it was great i hate that something that was such great dialogue to be taken out by such a terrible decision or or, hell there's jack nicholson impersonators who can do the voice you don't need if henry henry thomas was under so much goddamn makeup there was no point it had to be him there are so many impersonators and everything hell I don't know if you've seen it or not, but they have these deep fake videos where they cast like it's Jim Carrey's face I on it. Jack Torrance. And it looks great. I if, if people if people at home can do that on that budget, there's no reason this should have looked that bad.
1: Bro, you guys had a 45 fucking million dollar budget. You could not hire some proper makeup people. And it's fl- flabbergasted, flabbergasted. All
0: right, but let's not harp on it too long. So this so in this the, So uh Dan goes in, he has to wake up the Overlook Hotel, um, which he says it. Uh, we're pulled into a battle with uh, Rose the Hat, which is they pull her into the maze. It's another one of those astral plane battles. And you see the box coming up behind her, which I thought was just funny as hell. Um, and then we get the physical battle. Um, and she very quickly uh, cuts his uh, his artery in his leg and she's feeding off of him. And that's when he unlocks these the all the old ghosts from the Overlook Hotel. I have a problem with this too. And while I love seeing those ghosts, too, this was not how they were depicted in The Shining. Them just ganging up on Rose the Hat like they did. And they did away with her so quick after that point. I wanted more of a battle. Like yeah. I, get, she was the main villain throughout this whole movie. We did away with her quick to just do battle to make the, the ghost of the Overlook be the ending of the movie. And I get it. We wanted to see him. But I just feel like she did such a great job with this character that it should have ended a little bit better.
1: Yeah, I feel like in terms of, of final battles and villains versus heroes, just the battle itself, she's probably the weakest person ever because she didn't last that long. I, I would have liked to see a more, you know, c- you know, kind of drawn out battle. And we got, you know, the battle itself was so good, but yeah, like you said, um, you know, they kind of changed it up and they made they made all those people that come out of the box. They made it kind of like true, not version two. I mean, they, they were literally the same exact. The same exact way as True Knot was. Wait, True Knot is that what they were called? Yeah, the True Knot. Right. So yeah, they made them like the same way. So I don't know. I mean, I don't have a I don't have a big issue with it. Um, at this point, I was just like, end end this movie already. I'm just being honest yeah. to you. Um, we'll we'll get into our ratings and and this you know a couple other gripes that I want to address after we finish this. But yeah, at this point, I was kind of over the movie already. Anyway. Yeah, it it, it just it it. Yeah. This it just the ending and I hate
0: it's, it's been so many movies this year that just flub the ending and it just makes it like I still overall enjoyed the movie, but this ending should have been so much better. And so we get Dan being possessed. My thing is when they attack Rose, why did they just feed off her her steam as they've been calling it this the essence of the of the shine. But yet they take over Dan's body. Like why didn't they do that to Rose the hat like you would think that they would want to take over both bodies because then they have two. I don't know. Let me not enter my logic into it. So we get this scene of Dan Torrance with an axe going through like his dad, chasing after Abra. We end up in the same room, um, and he he overcomes it with the help of Abra. He says he has to go shut off the boiler so the, the place doesn't explode. He wants Abra to get to safety. We see him in the basement. We see the ghost of his mother, which doesn't make any sense because she didn't die in the Overlook Hotel. But nonetheless, um, and then we get her—well, Um, well, him— Basically, he dies, Correct. and then uh, the he fire. dies, and yeah, in the fire. And then we see Abra in her room, and they try to play off of it. Like Dan's there, she's talking to Dan, but if you listen to it, you can hear his voice had that that echo that that uh, Dick Halloran had in the movie. Right, right, and he's he's now going to basically guide her the same way Dick Halloran guided uh, him. They were in, they, and, and just a couple behind the scenes, they were actually planning a sequel to this, but the box office of this was so bad that they probably aren't going forward with that now. I would have loved it. a movie completely based off Abra's character. I would have loved to see, but we're probably not going to get it now. What did you think about this end and all, and how how it all wound up?
1: Yeah, um, I I, I want to discuss real quick the box office, but yeah, just the ending. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, Danny, um, he went in the ballroom and he ended up not escaping the ballroom and kind of. And essentially kind of killed himself because he, he you know he had a chance to escape and he didn't and then you know He's now the dick Howling character. He's gonna mentor um, uh, Abra so yeah, it's interesting and I really like the ending dialogue here where he's like, you know earlier I told you to like hide your shine and and never let anyone know but no don't do that anymore like like always use your shine and, and let, let everyone know and you know I like the, I kind of like the dialogue at the end there now. Here's my issue now this movie did horrible in the box office, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of different reasons. And number one, a movie like this, you and I were hyped to see. Again, we're thirty something. Yeah. We're thirty something year year olds. Younger people, they've probably never even seen The Shining, so they probably don't give any fucks about this movie. Now, I'm not saying all younger people, because some maybe some because it is a classic. The original Shining is a classic, so maybe there are some that like it. But I don't think there was enough buzz generated to be quite honest with you when this. Number two, this movie, I know we're saying it's not horror, but this movie should have really dropped around Halloween, and it ended up yeah. not being dropped. I think it was dropped like, well, I don't even, when was it, like sometime in November it was dropped, if I'm not mistaken, like the release date. It should have came out around Halloween, and I don't know what, why they didn't do it that way. I do have the numbers. The budget was estimated between 45 to $50 million. They grossed currently right now in the U.S. $20 million, and... um worldwide 42 million that's a huge loss I mean at the end of the day they're gonna this is gonna end up being a gigantic loss because there's you know the steam that usually movies make is the first week or two after that it kind of dies down and there's no way they're gonna be able to catch up and you know universally whatever your budget is you want it to be two and a half to three times or more of that amount for it to be considered at least a halfway success and they're not even gonna get mm-hmm. they're not even gonna break even on this movie so it's a downfall and it coincides with my feelings on the movie as well. And my thing is, is that I think, I think this may be a
0: movie that once it hits on Netflix or whatever, streaming service could get a lot of more attention to it, but it's not, it's not going to get a sequel. They're definitely going to lose money on it. Um, I think that it definitely should have dropped around Halloween, uh, just period point blank. There really wasn't any horror movies that dropped Halloween week or the week before that. I can remember, um, but, yeah, so I, I don't understand why they wouldn't have dropped it then. Just where they dropped it, at, it just didn't make sense. Uh, people are already gearing up to, like, Christmas spirit. Like, people don't want to see exactly. typically horror movies around Christmas spirit. Um, I will say this. I do want to point out that it does have a cinema score of B+, which means that the people who did see it, that's people who actually are leaving the theater, enjoyed it. Um, So I, I, I don't know, man. It's, it's just a weird thing. Go
1: Just to piggyback off that, rot, you know, we talk about Rotten Tomatoes, even though you know <laughs> we don't necessarily agree with it all the time. But Rotten Tomatoes gave it a seventy six percent. But as you've said, so wisely said numerous times, no one really gives a shit about Rotten Tomatoes. You want to look at the audience score, and actually, the audience score for this movie on Rotten Tomatoes is ninety percent, which is really high. See, yeah, people who actually
0: see this movie seem to really enjoy it and like it. So it, it just sucks that it's not going to really go anywhere and it's gonna lose so much money. Hell of a performance by Ewan McGregor. I think he acted the hell out of this role. Um we already talked about the the character who plays Aber and Rebecca Ferguson. I think overall those three characters, the top three billing that, that you come for, they all came they all showed up. 100%. You couldn't have tell told them they were that they were gonna be in a in a flop. They showed up for this movie. So it just it really it really sucks all the way around. Um I, I I'm I you know i trying to steer away from like the out of 10 scores overall if somebody asked me if they should go see this movie you should definitely go see it but you know i i, I think you should see this movie it is, it's a great movie well, a really solid movie in my opinion it had very few flaws i think it was a perfect sequel to kind of balance the, the two worlds between the book and the movie um the performances were all great the cinematography the direction was great Overall, you would think that would be packaged for a really good movie, and they expected this movie. What it's done worldwide yet, like 42, it was projected to open up with 50 million.
1: Exactly, and they fell short on that. Before I go into my my ratings, though, I want to ask you, we've been seeing a lot of movies, and we kind of touched on some of it, a lot of movies really failing in the box office. So it is, I don't want to say something stupid like is cinema dying, but which clearly it's not. I mean, freaking... Just this past week, we got Joker hitting the billion-dollar mark. So, similar, clearly, he's not dying. But why are more and more these big box office projections just missing the mark? Like, is something changing with the audience? Is is it like they're coming out with a lot of remakes that cater to our age? But maybe our age is not the the right demographic to go after.
0: Well, I think box office projections are down. Like, sometimes they're way over. Sometimes they're way down. I think it's hard. Not even the projections, but just the final numbers, even. I think it's hard hard because now we have access to so much at home, and I'm not even talking like illegal streaming. I mean, like, if you're sitting at home and you see that there's a sequel to The Shining, something that you may not love. It's not the season for that type of movie or whatnot, or you can stay at home and you can watch 10 movies on Netflix that you know that you're going to like. What what are you going to do? Like, I think that. When we look at like box office nowadays, like there has to be a hook to make people go to the theater, and that's like when Scorsese says his thing, like it, like Marvel movies aren't cinema; they're they're like attractions or like theme theme parks. That is like that's kind of what drives box office mm-hmm. now. Is that because you because you're going to an event you're going to something that you want to experience you don't want spoilers on um that's really what gets the most out of the box office now yeah you have your darlings or your your surprise movies that do huge at the box office but they too like like it it chapter 1 people didn't expect to do as good as it did but it became an event movie because people are talking about like hey this is great. This is amazing. And that word of mouth spread, but it spread it so quick that it was just like, I have to go see this movie. I have to be a part of this. Um, it's it's very hard to capture that. And like I said, back in the day, like when The Shining came out, it was 1980. That's when we had like eight, like you were lucky if you had 10 channels and that's if you had premium cable in a box. So like nowadays that we have so much and there are new movies that release every day on video, I mean, on uh, on Hulu, on Netflix or whatever that are exclusive there, people would just have no you have to make them have an incentive to go to the movie theater.
1: Did they wait too long, 39 years, to release the sequel? Oh, absolutely. I mean,
0: we, we, me and you, have talked about this, like, I, I don't think on any podcast this air before. Like, when you, these sequels that come 10, 15 years later, X, Y, Z, it's so hard to get that back, like, to get people hyped for Like, this Bad Boys uh, 3 movie that's coming out, I'm I'm telling you right now, the, A, the trailer looked corny to me. They seem like old oh, men, yeah. but like we'll see what that does at the box office, and that's an action movie or action comedy. Those usually do pretty good, but it's so hard when you go that long from a sequel to really get people excited about it.
1: But will you watch the
0: movie? I will, but I, 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 can't, I can't say that I'm going to go. But I go to the movie theater all the damn time. Here, like
1: I'm not the person to ask that. Here's the thing, though. You're going to watch the movie, and so am I, because we grew up with those guys. However... For a person, a younger person, they're going off the trailer. They might not have seen the old movies. They're going off the trailer and what they see. And yeah. they're like, oh, this is corny as fuck. Why am I going to watch this? So, again, they're appealing to our demographic. And I don't necessarily know if that's the right thing to do. Um, or it has to be a little bit of both flavors. And when you come out with these trailers, they have to be strong as hell to appeal to the masses and not just one demographic. I don't, maybe I'm looking too far into it. But, um,. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, um, in terms of my ratings, I, I didn't really get a chance to get my ratings. In terms of my ratings, if you've seen The Shining and you're a fan of The Shining, absolutely give this a watch. Because it, it, it's the sequel, so it connects to it. Yeah. If you're looking at this as a standalone, you've never seen The Shining, 100%, if, if I have a friend and he's like, Hey, should I see Dr. Sleep? Well, did you see The Shining? No. Skip it.
0: All right, so what, so what okay, let me ask you this then. What if that same person says, well, should I see The Shining? If, what would you say?
1: Here's the thing, and I, I and people might be like, what the hell are you talking about? But I wouldn't rate, I know, I'm I, again, I'm going to get shitted on probably, but I wouldn't rate Shining as a super high movie. I mean, if we're talking about the original Shining, I might give it maybe a, a six and three quarters out of ten. Maybe a seven out of ten. I know a lot of people might say eight, nine, whatever. No, not for me.
0: You can send all hate mail <laughs> straight and directly to... To uh, JB, uh, the product one JB, the P1 JB, whatever platform you're looking for, I'm on put one of those in. I'm sure you'll find them. Please send. Out, do not direct that shit towards me at all. I don't. I don't want the smoke, bro. I don't want the smoke. I'm not trying to get high no, off the steam of that one. Jack
1: Jack Nicholson's. Amazing performance out of that movie. What the fuck do you really? Oh,
0: I mean, but you can say that about a lot of movies, though. We're like, if if we're taking his amazing performance out of the movie,
1: watch the fucking
0: miniseries. That was terrible. (laughs) So like,
1: (laughs) no, and uh, the movie, and the only reason I even rated a seven out of ten is because of his performance. Without his performance, there's nothing. Um, This the story was okay. I don't want to get into a whole shining thing, but. I didn't necessarily. I don't necessarily consider shining like a top 10 movie for me even in the, the thriller horror genre overall period Yes, it is a classic. Yes I will give the movie the respect and maybe that's the reason why I don't give dr Sleep and I don't rate it as highly because I'm not a huge fan of the shining period So maybe that's maybe that's why I don't know maybe did you, me did you give your overall score for it? so I mean uh, I'm I, I would say pass, but if we're talking out of 10, I would probably rate this a 6 out of 10 so right, right along with
0: the with the shining for you then. The shining
1: I would rate it one step higher because it's freaking Jack Nicholson. All right, cool. Uh, well, that's you got anything left? No, I mean that's pretty much it. You want to tell the people what we got coming up? Yeah, so coming up, uh, by the
0: time you listen to this, the following Monday after this releases, we'll be having our Irishman review, uh, dropping on your feeds. Uh, following that, it will be another uh, news episode, and then what do we got cooking for the next mini review? JB
1: we don't know we're gonna I think we're gonna take it to the the, the audience and see what they want to listen to we don't have anything go. planned in the can but maybe we'll get a shining and figure something out <laughs> there you
0: have it uh JB give them your social media so we can get the fuck out of here
1: I can reach at the p1jb on twitter that's at t-h-e-p-1-j-b on facebook I can reach at javid B A S H E E R U L L A. Also, please remember to check out our Facebook group. Just search the film frequency and CEO Hayes will give you our uh, social media stuff on Twitter.
0: Yeah, you can follow us collectively at the Film Bros Pod or just by chance, if you put that in because I may change it, just The Film Bros, uh, because I may change it to just that. Uh, You can also, on Facebook, go into our Facebook discussion discussion group, which is the Film Frequency Discussion Group on uh, Facebook, where we're having discussions not just about the podcast, but about film in general. It really has a life of its own. People talk about all types of movies there. So uh, check us out on both those platforms. You can follow me individually at CEO Hayes, that's C-E-O-H-A-I-Z to the motherfucking E.
1: And that's going to do it. I wonder, is there a way we can shine into Rebecca Ferguson's shower? Right,
0: let's let's do it. Come on, let's close our eyes. Let's do it. Let's do it.